nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, how sweet and how precious, Lord, is your shed blood. There is no salvation that can be found other than the shedding of your blood for the remission and the forgiveness of our sins, which are great in the sight of you. Come now, Holy Spirit, empower me to open up your word here today that you, by that power, that same working power that raised your son from the grave. I pray that that power would come now, untangle my thoughts, my tongue, and the meditations of my heart, and that you would give insight that you would bring understanding to your word, from your word. That those who would hear today would hear what it is that the spirit of the Lord is saying unto your people. Lord, we're in crazy times, some would say. Some would say that the church is losing its salt. It's losing its savior. But Lord, we beg the different. You've told us in your word that the church would prevail and that the gates of hell would not stop it. And we pray that you would do just that through your word. It's in your son's name I pray, Father. Amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you for all of you who've come out on this great Nice day of weather, Resurrection Day, that we call it. And I believe the Lord has really laid a word on my heart. It's the day that we celebrate here in the church as the pillar of what it is that we as Christians believe. And so I have a lot to unpack here, and, and plus we have the great table before us. And so let us stand to our feet as we read from some scriptures here from John, and then therefore Luke chapter 24. Here we go. I'm reading from the CSB translation of the Bible. And when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. And Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. And as soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now, I know that whatever you ask from God God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. 
And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection in the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the son of God who comes into the world. And having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And as soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. And Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And then the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. And they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. And as soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And when Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? He asked the Lord. They told him, come and see. Verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. And so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Now Luke 24 as they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst and he said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled? He asked them. And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. That is, I myself touch me and see because a ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you can see, I have. And having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish. And he took it and ate in their presence. And he told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And look, 
I am sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. The grass withers and the flower fades. You may be seated. It was in the beginning of March 2020 of last year that COVID-19 shut down most of the world, at least from what we can know, the known world. What they did in the Amazon, nobody knows. But for the world that we could see, it was shut down. The whole world went into a lockdown. And we hid behind the doors of our homes because of the looming fear of catching this virus that was bringing death to many across the world. Even professing Christians and churches all around the world gave sway to the tyranny of the threat and the fear of death that this virus presented to those who would endeavor to go outside their doors. The fear of death is a real phobia. Phobia means fear. Study after study shows that it reigns supreme as the top fear among us humans that are created in the image and the likeness of God. And the Holy Scriptures tell us in Hebrews 2, 15, chapter 2, verse 15, that all humanity was held in the jaws of this formidable foe called death. To really understand the I am that I am sermon here today, which means Yahweh will provide whatever is needed, that he will become whatever he needs to be in order to deliver us, to rescue us. So therefore, understanding the Messiah's purpose in coming and the vital importance of his resurrection from the grave and therefore the promise of our own resurrection, we need to understand this enemy called from the Greeks word for death, thanatos, death. Let me give you some stats on death that you can find on your Internet if you can still trust Google, I'm learning more and more not to trust them. I'm trying to navigate my way around Google because they're starting to try to give you false information. Snopes and all the fact checkers and everything else in between. So I'm just going back to books. Um, but here are some stats that you can still find from Google. One point person die every second in the world. One point eight every second. One person just died. Two people just died. 120 per minute. 7,425 every hour. And 154,000, 1,108 die daily. That turns out to be 65 million die every year. 
So you can see we can't hide from it nor run from it. And it's a sobering reality for every human on earth, this thing called death. Every second, every minute, and every hour, someone is dying. And sooner or later, if you continue to live, you will be added to one of these seconds. And so will I. But in our text today, we find here in the Gospel of John, in chapter 11, we see Jesus' approach to this thing called Thanatos, death. This slavery and bondage that came upon all humanity because of the sin of Adam, the first human we see in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, who stood as our federal head and representative over all the human race. Which Romans 5.12 says to us, therefore, just as sin came into the world, sin came into the world through one man, that one man being Adam, and death through sin. Thanatos, through sin. And so Thanatos, death, spread to all men because, as Paul says in Romans 3.23, because all sin, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if you're a walking, talking human being here today, pinch yourself. If you're alive and you're breathing, you have good chance you and I have probably sinned. Don't have to work that hard for me. It's just, you know, I can just, I think me and Sandra just custom. If you've been married for a long time, you just know you sin every day. So if those of you who are not married yet, get ready to find out that you're going to really find out real soon in the first six weeks. <laughs> I had one brother, I'm not going to mention his name. He called me. He had gotten married about four years ago. I think it's been about four years. He called me. He's a PA. He said, man, I am toe up from the flow up. Meaning he, he's realized that he was, a, he was not as good as he thought he was. His marriage just proved to him. Man, he said, man, I'm sinful. He said, I don't know where this stuff is coming from. I said, yeah. Adam messed us up, bro. <laughs> Blame Adam. <laughs> Blame somebody. I don't know who it was. <laughs> we were messed up. He said, man, I'm bad. I said, man, we all bad. Michael Jackson didn't make the song up. He knew what he was talking about when he says we're bad. We're all bad. <laughs> but in John, we see in this chapter, the word of God lets us know and gives us, and I didn't read it to you, but it's in verse 5 where you see it mentioned here for the second time, verse five, it says, and now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Jesus loved them, the word of God says. And the word of God says to us that Jesus says in John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus loves the sheep. He loves his children. God so loved the world that he gave. God loves his sheep, his children. And John says that he loved Martha and her sister and their brother Lazarus. Jesus loved them. Word of God says in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone will lay down his life for his friends. See, if you have become a believer, the word of God says you go from enemy to friend. 
So if you believe the gospel today, you're no longer an enemy. You're a friend of God. You've moved out of the enemy category and you've moved into their friendship zone. And so Jesus says, greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for the friends. And Jesus has laid his life down for us. And so we see here, you can put this back up on the slide, Carl, uh, um, John chapter 11. I want to walk through it. We see here Jesus, he loves Lazarus, his sister Mary and Martha. The word of God says he loves them. And it says that as he goes, when Jesus has arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. If you back up to the story, it tells us that Jesus, when he heard about Lazarus being dead, that he took two more days and did what he needed to do in ministering the word of God. And so when I started here today in verse 17, Jesus finally arrives at the tomb. So Lazarus has been dead now, according to the scriptures, four days. He's been in the tomb. Bethany was near. Jerusalem was less than two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. Keep going. And, and soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. She's probably like, man, you know, Jesus took too long. You know how we get mad with God. He takes too long. <laughs> so Mary said, yeah, I'm just going to sit at the house for a minute. But then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Wouldn't have died. Verse 22. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, hold on, Martha, I am that I am. I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me, got to hear those words very carefully because we just throw this on everyone who dies. He says, believe, not die. The one who believes on the side of the living, not just because you die, but he who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus says. Do you believe what I'm telling you that I am the resurrection and the life? That I am that I am. And she says, yes, Lord. She told him, I believe you are the Messiah. The son of God who comes into the world. And having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And then get down to verse 32 to 35. I want to skip these verses. 32 to 35. Here we go. It says, as soon as Mary came to where Jesus was, she saw him and she fell at his feet and she told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And when Jesus saw her crying, and Jesus, who had come with her crying, he was deeply, here it goes. Jesus saw her crying and the word of God says, and Jesus, who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. The word of God says that he was deeply moved and he was troubled. Is that verse 38? Go to verse 38. I want you to see this. 
It says, and Jesus deeply moved again. He came to the tomb. And you look at verse 35, it says Jesus wept. And then verse 36, it says, so how he loved him. Jesus loves Lazarus. But he comes to the tomb. He comes to the place where his friend is dead. And the word of God says in verse 38 that he was deeply moved again. Deeply moved. What's going on with Jesus? The I am that I am. What's going on with him as he approached this tomb where his friends and one of his friends are dead in a tomb? And there's crying and weeping all around him. And the word of God says that Jesus himself in verse 35, that Jesus wept himself. But then in verse 38, he said he, he comes again, but he, he's deeply moved. It's hard to explain what's going on here. This word deeply moved here means that Jesus is, is having a strong sense of indignation. There's a, there's a, there's a rage that's, that's bubbling up on the inside of the Lord. As he approached this tomb, there's an anger and there's an anger for justice. As he approached this tomb where his friend Lazarus lay. There's no jokes. There's no smiles. There's death. There's Thanatos. And our Lord is in a fury. Word of God says he's deeply moved. He's, 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 he's hot beyond hot. There's an intense fury that he has with death. It's not a friend. Oh, no, it's not a friend. And there is no laughter in the atmosphere. There's Thanatos and there's the I am that I am. The resurrection and the life. And there is death. And there's his friend Lazarus in a tomb. My brothers and sisters here this afternoon, death is no friend. It was no friend to Jesus on that day. And it is no friend now. This is serious business that Jesus is having here at this tomb in Bethany some 2000 years ago. You know what? Death is evil. Death is evil and the sting of death is sin. You want to know what's wrong with the world? It's sin. It's called death. It's called evil. And the wages of sin is death. There's nothing good about it. It's nothing to laugh about when you see people bragging and talking about sin, which leads to death. There is no joking with it. Sin leads to death. And death has come about because of the result of human sinfulness. Why do we die? Why is no one laughing at a funeral when grandma and grandmas and our children die and get sick? When people lost their lives because of COVID-19, there was no smiling. People were weeping and people are still weeping. Because of death. But this death has come because of sin. And we see here in the text that Jesus comes and he weeps. He's not smiling. He's not cracking jokes, which he never did. And he comes up on this tomb and he's snarling at Thanatos. He can see it. Death makes us weep. 
with a deep sorrow of heart. I just miss my mom. Some days I just wake up and I just miss my mom. She's just 74. I was thinking this week, I was, as I was working on the sermon and, you know, I was thinking about great men of the Bible. You know, David died at 70, Solomon at 52. I'm 54. I said, man, that's 14 years. You know, the average person, man, only lives about 72, 73. And I said, man, I ain't got that much time. If I just go on the average. Wives live a little longer. It's 80. So I always tell Sandra, I'm probably going home first. I don't, I can't, I don't even, I know I can't last with you and she go home. So I'm just, I'm being honest. I said, look, it just got to work out that way. Now God can change his mind on that. But you know, she said, you've been talking about death since I met you. You're going to start talking about anything else? Probably not. <laughs> death makes us weep. You're missing loved ones, family members. I know I got a young church here, and so a lot of young have not experienced death close up and personal in your family. Man, one of the hardest things to see is a parent, a father or a mother. It's just, it's just something, nothing like it. And you, and you, it's, if you don't hold to this reality of the scriptures, he who believes in me, though they die, they will live. If you, if you don't have that to console you, whether you're going to see grandma and mom again, I don't know what the pagans do. No wonder they want to get high all the time. What do you do when you don't have a hope for a hope that you won't see your mom and your brother or your sister ever again? That this is all that it is. Death. It makes us weep with a sorrow heart. But what will the I am that I am do in order to rescue us from this this death, this Thanatos. So you're fearful today of death? Are you fearful? Whether or not you're going to catch COVID or someone close to you is going to catch it? Are you fearful today of, of death today? I really want these scriptures to speak to your heart here this evening. Are you fearful? Are you timid? Are you afraid today as you think about death, your own appointment with it or someone close to you? Let these words minister to your heart. Well, let's go to Luke now, 24, 26 to 49. The I am has has died. And and now he's come and this is in the story where he's on the road of Emmaus and some of his disciples. He comes up and as they're walking, talking about all that has happened. Jesus has died and they're rehearsing all of what has happened in Jerusalem. And so I'm going to start at verse 36. And so Jesus comes into the story. And says, as they were saying these things, let this sink in your heart. As they were talking about all these things that had happened in Jerusalem, he himself, the I am, stood in the midst. And he said to them, this is the first takeaway that I want you to let it sink in your heart if you're fearful today. Because I know for my own self that, that I've had a lots of bouts with fear of death. So this is speaking to Pastor Hardy. 
Jesus comes over in the midst of them and he says, peace to you. Peace. Peace if you're afraid of death. Peace to you. God always speaks peace to his people. Peace to you this afternoon. Peace to the church. Peace to his disciples. He says to them, peace. Don't be afraid, Jesus says. Don't be troubled by the fear of the coronavirus or any other virus. Because he says, if you believe, if you believe that I am the resurrection and the life, then the one who says he believes in me, even though he dies, Jesus says, he will live. Peace to you. Every second people are dying. That can't be the fear that keeps you hiding behind the walls with locked doors. But Jesus comes up to his disciples. He says, while you're troubled, don't be afraid. Peace to you. And he says to everyone who lives and believes in me, they will never die, Jesus says. And so Jesus says to you all, peace to you. When the second thing Jesus says in this text that we see here in Luke chapter 24, that would assure us and affirm us on this thing called the resurrection, is Jesus validates to all of us and to his disciples then and now and forevermore that he's not a ghost. He's not a phantom. He's not a dream or something, but he's fully a real human that has been killed, died, and now he's rose again, and he's truly a human being with a human heart. He says, 37, but they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. And why are you troubled, he asked them, why do you doubts arise in your hearts? Verse 39, he says, look at my hands. Look at my feet. That it is I myself. I touch me, he says. See, because a ghost does not, Jesus says, a ghost, a phantom, it does not have flesh and bones. As you can see that I have. Jesus says to you, Peace. He would say to you, I'm real as you're sitting next to your husband or your wife or your children. I'm just as real as they are right now sitting right next to you. I am not a ghost. I am not a phantom. He says. And then Jesus wanted to show them even more. The word of God says. He said, give me something to eat. I want to show you how real I am. What you got in there, Sister Sandy? Got a cake in there for me? Got some fish? Got some cod? What you got in there? Got a hamburger? A lamb sandwich? What you got in there? And the word of God says, let me read it. He says, he showed him his hands and his feet. But while they were still amazed looking at him and in disbelief, 
because of their joy. And he asked them while they're falling all over themselves. He says, do you have anything? Now, a ghost, it can show up every now and then. Like we down in Sardis, but they don't come on to eat nothing. <laughs> it's a real human that wants to eat. That's how you know, because you got to put that in your budget. <laughs> you just can't go in the public where I got ghosts at my house eating. No, you, that's a human being in the house eating. Flesh and bones. <laughs> You're not just cooking for ghosts, <laughs> phantoms. <laughs> Jesus, you got anything to eat? Good things, but you always got to have food around your house. Some of y'all want to eat out. No, you got to have food. What if Jesus shows us I need something to eat? He's like, man, let me run the public. Oh, I'm out here. Let me go to Quare's house. <laughs> you ain't got no food. Tell me, let me run the public. <laughs> no, I'm going down to see Brother Jaquez, man. I know Bree got some up in there cooking good. So <laughs> Do you have something to eat? Verse 42. So they gave him a piece. And look, I want you to say this. This is what we mean when we talk about the resurrection. And what did it mean for you and myself and all of us who believe this story? So they gave him a piece of fish, not fried fish. Now, Jesus is still healthy. He said, oh, no, nah. <laughs> I know what Josh is doing now. I want to stay healthy. Don't give me no fried catfish. I want to be broiled fish. Now, it would been me. Now, nah, man, dip that in some flour and <laughs> put some salt and pepper on that, <laughs> you know. He didn't say fry for spirit. Look at that word got broiled. Want you to know he's healthy minded. <laughs> Even though he's a son of God, he's a human body, he still wants to eat healthy. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish. Me, ain't a lot of calories in that. Probably don't taste as good, but it, no, that's Jesus. But I'm, no, I'm still going to eat me some fried fish. Like Santa Cook Cod today, had a lot of salt and pepper on it. Broiled fish. Ghosts don't eat fish. Humans eat fish. And he took it. He didn't go, let me go over here and hide so I can just make magic abracadabra. No. The word of God said he took it and he ate it in their presence. They could see the fish go in. And he probably, he didn't just swallow it. He had teeth. He chewed on it. He's a real human. Why is this so important? He ate this food in their presence. He's fully resurrected as he predicted, which is the promise that he gives to every believer that our mortal bodies that you have now will be clothed with immortality. Therefore, having glorified bodies. And Paul says in first fit, first Corinthians 15, Paul says this is going to come about that in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, I don't know when that last trumpet going to blow. But when that trumpet blow, Paul says, your mortal bodies will put on immortality. You're going to have a body just like our Lord did. Physical flesh and bones able to eat. That's the story and the power of the gospel. No other story or religion or faith does that or give you that. Only Jesus Christ, him crucified, offers that to us in the heart of the gospel.
that you and I will pick up and renew renewed bodies that would eat not ghosts floating around. And Paul says in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to put on immortality. Let me move on. I got to get going, get to his communion. Well, the third thing he does in this story, affirming to us that we have peace, validates that he's not a ghost, he's real. His resurrection is a real body, a real man. And that he shows them everything that was written in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. He says it must be fulfilled. And he taught them that they understand the scriptures. Verse 46. So let's go to that. Verse 46, Carl. And he taught them that what was written. But the Messiah. Saints don't ever lose a gospel that loses the reality of a savior that had to suffer because of the sins of the sheep. He says he said to them, he showed them, starting with the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms. That this had to be fulfilled and that it was written that the Messiah, the one that got promised in Genesis 3.15, that, that he would suffer. Why is he suffering? He's not suffering because he was unrighteous, that he committed high treason. No, he's suffering on the behalf of the sheep who went astray. But in order to bring them back, he had to suffer at the hands of wicked men and wicked women. And as I said on last week, many of us would say if I was in Jerusalem 2000 years ago, somehow I would have been in the right side of history. And I would have said, no, give me. Uh, I don't want Barabbas. Give me Jesus. Well, we can read from the scriptures. No one asked for Jesus. Only a few. And they cried out. Crucify him. He's not meeting our needs. We thought he was going to deliver us from the Romans. It was them. It's them. There's wicked people over there. It's those wicked Romans sitting up in those temples. It's not us, Lord. We're good and okay. As Jesus made his way to the cross, human hearts turned against him. Because we find it very hard and very difficult to understand that we are born sinful. And this is why he had to suffer. So he says and he had to suffer. And then he died the Holy Week. And then on the third day. He rose from the dead. This is the scriptures. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins. See, sins. Not forgiveness on osmosis, but forgiveness of our sins. My sins, your sins. That forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. He opened the scriptures up. And he showed them from all the scriptures, from 
the law of Moses to the Psalms and the prophets that the word of God was not about your best life now. It was about him. All of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation is pointing to him. It's not about what you drive and where you live and what school you go to. It's about him. But I know preachers can go in there and find it and make it about them. That is not the gospel of the word of God. That is a false gospel. The scripture says it was about him. And he opened up their minds that they would see from the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. That all of these things were written about him, that he would suffer and that he would die and he would rise from the dead on the third day. And that the repentance of forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed. That's what Jesus says. In remembering this story. The Lord knew that. As the church would go. Repentance, verse 47, and the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the ethnos. All of us in the room, all the nations. They would start at Jerusalem and it was making its way all the way down the Fairfield. The I am, he knew that. That it would make its way here today in 2021. And he didn't leave us empty handed in that because he did something. He told his disciples on a particular and that week, on the Holy Week, the night that he was going to be arrested. And the word of God says he instituted at the Passover meal in the upper room. This was sweat in my eyes here. He says that he instituted a sacrament that they should always remember. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, reflecting on this, this sacrament called the Lord's Supper, Paul starts out by saying it this way, for I receive from the Lord the I am that I am, what I also pass on to you, that on the night that he was betrayed. Jesus was betrayed. We know the story by Judas and many others that on the night that he was betrayed, that the Lord says, and that he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. My body the bread representing his body, which was broken for you. I took on the punishment that my father had for every sinner. But Jesus says, I intercepted that. I became the mediator between you and the wrath of my father. My body was broken for you. And Jesus says to the church, 2,000 years removed from this moment, here tonight, 
to do this in remembrance of him. And the word of God says in verse 25, he says in the same way, he took the cup. And after supper, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. There is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. In order for God to get us back into a full body, a resurrected body that's glorified, his blood had to be shed. It wasn't a ghost blood. It was a real human blood. Jesus had to feel the pain that death would bring. And he says, as you take this cup, which is the covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And he says, to always do this, to always remember um, what he's done. So I said something earlier, I said, I want to be very vulnerable. I talk tough under the anointing as I'm preaching, but I'm human just like you are. And I was choking up a little bit. Well, I choke up a lot, but as I was reflecting on this, and I want you guys, you know, I'm 54 and went to the doctor last week and my high blood pressure is way up there. Doc said, man, what's going on with you? I said, I don't know, doc. I eating the same, but you know, Dion would say, say something different, but, but who knows what it is. It's in my family bloodline, hypertension. It's just what's truth. And um, yeah, I get fear of death. I was fear of flying. And I was thinking about this. That's why I want this to go this way. Jesus wants us to remember what he did. That he was not a ghost. And those disciples saw him. And they were startled. And all that he had said to them. And now they could see him. And what God has told us, we haven't seen Jesus with our physical eyes. We believe in our heart of faith that he's just as real as the disciples saw him 2,000 years ago. And Jesus gave us a, a meal to always take and to remember what he's done. And I had to just say, Lord, I just need to know when I'm clocking out that I believe this gospel story. If you come to my bedside, read John 11 to me. Say, Pastor Hardy, do you believe this? Quote it back to me. Speak it in my ears. Though you die, you will live. And I know as you see the viruses all around and the church is what it is. But Jesus told us to go into all the world to reclaim his name. We can't do that hiding behind doors. Christians know something. We know the story. Though we die, we live. And so as you come today to this table, and I know death is real, and it's one of the greatest fear, but the gospel is, the story of the gospel is Jesus defeated death. He rose from the grave. That had never happened again 
Everyone else that rose from the grave, they died again. Jesus rose from the grave from the death and he never died again. He went to the right hand of the father where he now makes intercession for all of us. He didn't die again. There was no bones to be found in the grave. And as we come to the table today, and I don't know what's going to come in the near future. They're telling me there are more viruses coming and more coming. But we must believe that though we die, I don't know what day God has numbered for me when I'm going to go out. But what I want to know is that when I do die, and when that last trumpet sounds, in the twinkling of an eye, my mortality will be put on to immortality. And I too, and you and I, will have what Jesus, through the gospel, that he has promised us. And so that's my gospel offered to us. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know if I believe that story yet. And the word of God tells us not to come to the table and to take of this meal, to drink of this cup, to eat of his body in an unworthy manner, to do it in a way that you bring condemnation on yourself. You want to be a believing Christian. You could be weak in your faith saying, I'm weak, I've been sinning a lot. That's a different story. Do you have conviction of your sin? Do you feel like what you're doing is wrong, that God is not pleased with that? Because sinners who are not, who are unregenerate, they don't have any conviction. They can do what they do because they don't care. They don't have no conviction. The sheep, we fall into sin, but we feel the guilt. We know that we're grieving our Lord and our Savior. And you could be in that category today where you're sinning, you're grieving, you know you're sinning. That's a different story. This table is for you. This meal is for you to come and to take and to eat and to be nourished. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, that you have done a great deed in saving us from the wrath that was coming and is coming upon all who are unredeemed. But for the redeemed, it's at this table that you remind us over and over again that you were not a ghost that you were flesh and bones, that you was able to eat, to prove to the disciples and the whole world that you were the son of the living God, the Messiah, the one that was promised in Genesis 3, verse 15. Lord, I know my own struggles with fighting against fear of death, the phobia, thanatos, it's real. Through your word today, you say to all of us, peace to us. You're right there next to us. And I pray that as we come to this table, this Resurrection Sunday, that you would infuse us with that hope that comes from the gospel, a living hope, a living resurrected hope, and fill our hearts up. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This Michael going to give a few.
I'm just amazed um, at the wisdom of God to, to grant such a tangible taste and see reality to his children. It's a simple cracker, bread and wine. But he reminds us I mean, I'm just a fearful kid from Sardis that it's not left with me. And this bread representing his body was broken for me, for all my fears, your fears, your fear of death. Jesus knew it. He defeated death. Satan would have known they wouldn't have touched him. He outsmarted him. And they killed him. His body was bruised, beaten, smitten. And Jesus in his wisdom on that night says, this is representative of my body, which was broken for you. 
that your fear today, eat this and know as he loved Lazarus and his sisters, he loves you and I as well. So take and eat. The greatest trick of the enemy, prosperity gospels, is trying to communicate to humans that they can earn their way into the presence of a holy one by achieving a righteousness of their own standards, their own hard work. But this cup reminds us, it reminds me on my bad days, my bad weeks as a pastor, when I don't feel like I prayed enough, when I felt like I've, I've sinned more than I probably needed to in my thoughts of mine. And I don't want to come up here. But what can I go? Who can I call? I said, God, I'm not up to standing in front of the people. And no God has to do. He reminds me over and over again, Alter, when will you learn? When will you come to grips? That what I've done was never up to your standards of you achieving it so that I could love you. And so as a pastor, I know struggling with the love of God to save us is real. And Jesus knew it would be there. And so this cup represents this wine of his blood that was shed. While we were saying crucify him, he was saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So as you eat, drink of this cup today, no, it wasn't up to you. God loves you. And because of what he's done, you have received the forgiveness of your sins, which is in his blood. Please drink. Father, um, resurrection comes and goes every year. These stories are real stories. And you're a real God. Lord, we need you so much. This fear is real, Lord. The stats are not falsified. The looming reality of Thanatos is real. But you tell us in your word that you have defeated death by what you accomplished on the cross. And that third day, early in the morning, you rose Father, infuse for us the strength that we need. As we are in these uncertain times, help the church 
to come out from behind the walls. The disciples were hiding. They were afraid of the Jews. But once they got a glimpse that you were who you said you were, fear left them. And they became men and women of boldness. And they took the gospel to all the known world of the Roman Empire. They ran their course. Now, Father, it is our time for us to run ours. Feed us, fill us up by your spirit that we will run well and that when we do die, we would hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thank you, Lord. See your name, we pray. Amen. Please stand. Receive the benediction coming from Romans 8. Thirty-seven to thirty-nine. So no. Let me actually start at verse thirty-six. As it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long, and we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. Know that in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Be blessed and you are dismissed. Amen. Mm-hmm.